Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. I'm your host, Laurel Gurrier. Today's episode features Hunter Day Little Goodrich. When asked what unique perspective their story brought to listeners, Hunter Day stated, the importance of rights of a patient, the difference in medical model versus a midwifery model, the importance of social determinants of health with an awareness of intersectional identities, that not all who give birth are moms, and how the weight of this title can push folks into really crappy moods postpartum. And that all bodies birth the way that they know how and should be given the space and true support to do just that. We cannot wait to unravel all of that today. So, hello, Hunter Day. Welcome to the show. Hi, Laura. How are you? I am good. I just want to let all y'all know that we are doing this at 9.23 p.m. Yes, please. With our children in tow. (laughs) So, welcome to this craziness. But um, we are super excited to hear Hunter Day's story. And we're going to begin by, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, so, hi, I'm Hunter Day. Um, I, I'm going to just do a little bit of like, here's my identity. I am a um, black, queer, non-binary, fat, proud parent of twins. Um, I grew up in New York City, um, in Brooklyn, and I'm the eldest of four children. My parents also grew up here, and I am, um, and although they're not both natively born, they're both um, people who have grown up in various struggles, (laughs) and um, it's been a large part of how I kind of connect to the work that I'm doing now and have always been connected to my communities and communities. my experience being all the things I said I was before. Um, my pronouns are they and them, and I am not a mom, I'm a parent. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Sure. Um, oh, I sh- actually, I didn't even mention like my family really. Like, <laughs> my- <laughs> We're trying to get into this conversation. Um, so I should say I'm a parent of twins. I have two, two and a oh, two and a quarter year olds. I guess you should call it. Yeah, two and a quarter year olds. And I've been partnered with the same person for um, it'll be 16 years this year. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost forgot that very important piece. Um, it happens. <laughs> my pregnancy. Um, yeah. So you know, being. Um, being someone um, that, even though I didn't have language for it, knowing that I was a little bit different growing up, I didn't think about like pregnancy, like this idea of like, I'm going to have a kid, I'm going to get married. I had no awareness of that at all for myself. I had no desire for it. Um, And so, you know, I met this person and I'm like deeply madly in love with them. And I want to say probably around our, 12th year being together, um, I, we started having (laughs) parental urges of wanting to have a family and what that could look like, you know, just we, even though it was like, you know, we're in a really tough time right now in the world and, you know, don't know if we can actually manage to have a family. Um, what could that look like? How do we take care of another person? Like we're still kind of young ish, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was like, you know, I, I, Maybe it's hormonal, maybe it's spiritual. I don't know, but I just felt called to like want to um, sort of 
extend the, what we were feeling together in our relationship into the care for someone else. Um, and okay. we got some, someone else and then they were twins. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, and also with, you know, with the way that, uh, I was aware of myself, my identity. I just also didn't think about what would be involved with trying to get pregnant. Yeah. So, um, or had discomfort around that. I'm someone who also has a, um, a history of violence, um, sexual violence. And so it, like the idea of my body being like the really, like the, the core focus of a lot of what was going to be happening in my life. Yeah. Once was really scary for me. Um, but also not really sure how I would handle all the changes, like having to be very, very open and vulnerable, having to like have people in my very personal spaces, having to like, you know, deal with judgment around my body. And, you know, again, being a fat person, <laughs> being a queer person and having that experience, um, having that background made for a lot of, um, you know, trepidation with regards to pursuing wanting to be a parent. Um, yeah. But it was like, I don't know. I, I think that I just I had seen other people that were in my work environment and I worked at an LGBT um, center um, and seeing how like they made it seem normal. Like I was like, oh, this is like, I could have this. I could, I could be, <laughs> I could be a parent. I could, you know, I could still have a connection to activism and still have a connection to like doing this work and like showing up and, and still be queer and like have kids and define it for myself and not feel like I would be losing something in that, in my yeah. this person, but I feel really strong. I feel really strongly about being all of those things I've listed. And so I felt like if I were now to become a parent or a mom, and I use that, you know, like mom, I would be losing a part of my sort of my rebellious, non traditional self <laughs> in this time of being a mom. Um, yeah. So it was like, I don't think I want to do that. But again, I like felt really strongly about wanting to extend, um, you know, the love and the desire and the ideas that both my partner and I had about like how to be good people in the world into another being. Um, right. So we went through a process of finding a donor. We went through the process of trying to figure out like how we wanted to try to actually conceive this baby. I went through like six months of charting, you know, wow. mucus. Yeah. Like, I was in crazy positions with my phone and a camera and like a mirror. <laughs> With like, what is it? The the selfie stick, trying to like look in there and see what's going on. Because I was, yeah. you know, even, again, even though I had all this like this this comfort in my body, how it would be like manipulated, if you will. I wanted to also be very in charge of how things would go. So it was like, right. I didn't know what's going on before I have someone else tell me what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. Like, Absolutely, I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> so, um, being able to like learn about like you know surges in the body like the hormones that change and like knowing what to look for and you know charting that felt really empowering to me to be able to say like i know my body i know when i'm gonna ovulate i know when like i know what these things mean like you know we don't learn that in school we learn how to not be pregnant exactly, <laughs> Why exactly. We be pregnant, but we don't learn about how to support our body through pregnancy or how to look for and you know ask for it or welcome it if you will um, exactly and so yeah i you know did a lot of researching and connected with folks who have done it already. Then a lot of like Facebook mom groups, but all the things that like you can try and like talk to somebody about how this goes down and make a about how to do it. And was privileged to have the right insurance at the right time 
<laughs> to have a decent job to be able to afford the appointments and the visits and whatever. And we got very, very lucky um, and was able to <laughs> secure the one last vial of the donor we felt really comfortable with, have it shipped 30 days after buying it to land on my ovulation day to have it inseminated on the right time because I was like, I feel like, I feel like they, they were telling me I should come back on Monday. And I was like, no, I should come back tomorrow. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like literally peeing on all the sticks to try and check my FSH and like, you know, and found out um, almost two years ago around this time. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Two years ago around this time, I actually inseminated and found out mid, mid-March that I was pregnant with twins. Um, and that news hit because it was like, whoa, like, this is really going to happen. Like, I yeah. just, like, we, I, I must have, it really was supposed to happen. I felt like it became a very spiritual thing for me because it, I did, again, I didn't think that I could ever or would ever want to and didn't think that I would be comfortable with the idea of it. And it was like, and here you are, double the blessing. Right. <laughs> All of us <them> shocked. <laughs> no, no more uh, attempts at trying to get pregnant. Just here you are. Exactly. So you're welcome. Thank you. And I was exactly. Like, they were going to roll with this and, <laughs> and it was and it was an incredible experience to be able to feel my body a different way like I feel like I remember before pregnancy just being very anxious and being very like ah. hard sometimes about things to protect myself and it was yeah. like in this in this moment I could actually just be still and allow myself to feel so soft to feel to feel my skin like I remember taking a shower and like acknowledging what it feels like to have water run on my belly and like what yeah. is while that's happening as well. Just that, that like constant connection of like us. Yes. Um, so much that I would even like refer to myself as being like, we feel that or I, like, cause it was like, no, I, I'm, I'm aware that I am someone carrying three hearts. I'm yes. Carrying, you know, all of these fingers and toes and like, it was just so magical. It was yeah. just so intimate and so special and so beautiful um but also really hard because you know the reality was that i am now <laughs> a black fat queer person with a twin pregnancy um which means that high risk high risk high risk <laughs> yep. yes. you're like you're gonna probably have you know hypertension you're gonna probably have an issue with your sugars you're gonna probably you know you know just you're going to probably be disrespected because you're, you know, you're black and we don't really listen to black people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably mm -hmm. be told or shamed for your body size while you're trying to labor. Uh, <laughs> and I just was like, I want none of this. I really want to be basic right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if I, if I worked so hard in all of my, in most of my life to be, you know, to, to try and leave traditional spaces and like be, kind of a renegade to things because that feels like right for me. I don't know, whatever. Like, yeah. Right now, I want to be, be very basic. Just keep me, just be, be very simple. I don't want there to be anything different. Just simple. I'm pregnant. It's not a problem. I go. I have a baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but it's not like that. Um, yeah. And it was hard to find a provider that would allow me to be, um, to have an autonomy. Like it was like, yeah. you're going to have twins. So, you know, because of that, we're going to have to have you in an operating room um, for your birth. And I was like, that means you want to likely impress that I should have a cesarean birth. And I was not interested in doing that. Like, 
that means that you want to medicate me because you're worried about my pressure or you're worried about like me moving too much or their heart rates. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. And um, at the time I was taking a class that um, delved into like some of the um, like strong history and traditions of black folks all over the diaspora and talking about how twins are seen as a symbol of like, you know, uh, like luck and like um, fortune for some families. And so it was like, why am I being treated like this is a problem or this is something that um, it's a tragedy. Like I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm carrying two people who will be here, like celebrate this moment. Like why am I feeling like I'm hitting a wall with that everywhere I go? Because people are so afraid. Right. And I was like, we're just going to birth. That's all we're going to do. We're going yeah. to roll with it. Um, and so, I mean, I, I pushed all like through the whole thing, like, you know, okay, so we have to do the, they wanted me to do the, um, the glucose test. And I was yeah. not doing it because I hated sweets and I hated anything sweet. So like, I was like, I don't want to do this thing. I don't see the reason for me doing it. I had no indications of it, but again, my BMI is high. I'm carrying two bodies. So we have to do this. And I was like, well, if we're going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. So I definitely had my, um, the doctor at the time, uh, I questioned her about it. And she said, well, if you don't want to do the, the Coca-Cola, then you can do jelly beans. And I was like, okay. And so I did, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I came back with no, with no, um, with no indication. Yeah. I carried the pregnancy and I was in yoga. I was walking 10,000 steps a day. Like I was hauling tail everywhere, living my best life, just being in that moment. And, but then have to like have someone tell me, well, no, you're going to have a problem. Um, and so, you know, I literally did that, carried myself all the way to probably about 30, when did I start? 34 weeks, I think it was. And it was like, weekly visits to the doctor and they were like yeah. it's too high we're worried about this your pressure's too high we're worried about this now mind you this is two years ago so this is also the kids are born in november mm -hmm. this is also around election time mm -hmm. so now let's talk about <laughs> stress and determinants of health yep um, so again i'm a black fat queer person <laughs> living in new york city in 2016 expecting yep. to Knowing the reality of how our hospital systems are and how they work, you know, and knowing that um, and being worried about the outcome of my birth and how I'll support my family if I'm going to be compromised in whatever way. Um, yeah. Can I afford to, you know, leave my job to be with them? Can I afford to be on disability? Like, what, like what's going to come with that? And then also this election. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The election that was happening, and so like you know, I toted my big belly to <laughs> to to the election, and me and I started labor that day. I started labor as I was like leaning over, putting in my ballot, and they were like, "How far along?" I was like, "I'm 30. I think I was 36 weeks at the time." And they were like, "Let her in. Hurry up. We have to. We <laughs> gotta vote. We gotta vote." And I like, I got three stickers. Like, we have to make a change. We can't have no foolery in 2000. Yes. We just can't. Yes. And, yes. you know, I went home and, you know, I was watching, we're watching the news and uh, disbelief. And I think, I think it also caused me to stall because it was like, I started up in early labor, like it was consistent contractions, you know, and this was after being told twice to go to the hospital. Um, and I had gone at, in my own leisure, like I took my time going there. Yeah. Um, and 
I even got married because of the election. Like, I have a partner who is female identified. And so the fear of something happening at my birth Mm -hmm. made me very, very concerned. So that meant that, you know, on the way, on the way, let's see, this must have been my 36 week like visit. And they were like, we're worried about the heart rate. They also didn't have two monitors on me. So they just only had one heart rate for one baby, but there's two babies in there because they were not prepared to take care of a twin body. And so because they were so afraid, sent me to the hospital and um, put fear in me. It was like, you know, yeah. I'm going to come out of this hospital tonight. And then what happens if I give birth? And what happens if like something goes wrong? And then, you know, my children won't have... Uh, you know, my, my partner will have to fight now to yeah. respect yeah. their parent because we're not married because, you know, she doesn't get the space of being assumed as parent because of paternity. Right. Even though right. we have 15 years between us, even though we've like, we financially supported this pregnancy together intentionally, that would not matter after right. this birth. Um, and so I definitely had my mom route the car from the hospital to city hall <laughs> on November 4th and we got there in time to like have a same day marriage. I literally had to like walk over and say, I'm having contractions right now. And the way that things are going, we are very concerned about <laughs> our rights. And so if you can please sign off on the waiver to have us not wait another day to have the actual ceremony, we appreciate that. And then I got married that afternoon. Um, <laughs> so a week apart, um, my, I got married because of that. Then there was an election. Then I had gone into my labor, and then my labor started again naturally. Um, and then was told to come into the hospital. Um, and I was, you know, I, I had a doula, and like we were talking and communicating together. And yeah. you know, I had gone to childbirth education classes. I had been reading like a mindfulness and pregnancy book. Um, watched the business of being, like, business of being, yeah. Yeah. Like I had so much of words of like what, like what could happen when I got there, which is what I was preparing myself for, you know, and the doctor that was on call <laughs> was the one doctor who I didn't want to see. Um, and, and, and I literally like, when I say that I had like been going to the hospital because I would literally be told after a visit by the one doctor that I saw that day that she was concerned and to go in and get checked. And I would leave that office and ask, and who's on call tonight? Like, who will be at the hospital this weekend? Who will yeah. be at the hospital for the yeah. next three days? Just in case, actually, do you go on labor? I don't want to have this particular person. Right. Um, and I had talked at length about, like, what my goals were. Like, I want to have, or I want to at least try to labor my birth right. down. Um, because my kids were head down. They were in good position. There, yep. was no, there were no complications for them at all. Heart rates were fine. And, you know, they said, well, you know, if baby A is out, is down, then we will try and attempt it. You know, if baby B is not, we can try to work with it. Um, you know, breaches where it's hard. But if babies are turned in different directions, then they can sort of get, you know, rearrange. Right. Or, you right. Know, we'll support you. Right. This one doctor, she just was not about it and was like, you know, you're going to probably want to have something. And she kept saying that to me. That was in prenatals. You're going to probably want to have an epidural. I can't see why you want to have that pain. I can't see why you want to experience that. Like, and I put the heart and said, you know, I want to labor. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just let me labor. I'm saying to you that this is part of this experience for me. I've spent nine months preparing for this mentally and almost physically. Like, I'm, like I said, 
yoga was a thing that I took on because I felt like I needed to feel a, a safe space within myself mm-hmm. to feel good in my body, given what was happening around me. Yeah. Um, and to, to like, to, to do that for them and for me to breathe through a bit of like the discomfort to, to balance and shift what was happening with my hips and what was happening with my belly and, you know, ease and also kind of heal a little bit before things started to take off. (laughs) Um, And it was amazing to have that skill. So to be told that, no, you don't want to feel that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you, you you wouldn't want to feel that. Why would you want to feel that? It's gonna be really painful. I can't see why you would do that. It's gonna take it'll take too long to do that. And it was like you just don't want to work with me. You you want to basically have me show up and have it be like a rapid thing on your time. And mm-hmm. I I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't accept that. So when I arrived at the hospital and um, was contracting or surging, surging right. Um, it was power. It's a powerful thing to be. <laughs> if I, if I, I was surging, you know, um, and the nurse came in and was like, you know, it's my sense that you want to have a non-interventional birth, that you don't want someone to come in here and offer an epidural, that you don't want. I was like, yeah, I don't. I'm fine. These, yeah. these are strong surges that have a purpose, and I want to be a part of them. I don't want them dulled. They do not hurt. I want to feel them. <laughs> right, right. And she said to me, you know, I totally understand that and you seem to handle them very well, but your doctor is going to ask you to get an epidural. And so I want to let you know that now because you do have a right to refuse it, but you probably want to kind of like think about how you want to have that conversation now before she gets here in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that I'm in labor. <laughs> right. And someone's telling me to plan basically a defense mm-hmm. for someone who is upheld in an institution. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to birth here. That's I'm just trying to birth here. But I'm right. I'm being That's told now to prepare for defense. And um I had to push back and ask, you know, not to do it. And she was like, I really feel you should probably do this. And so the compromise was to have a catheter put in without medications, I could still move. Okay. Um, and so that's what we did. We then it escalated and it continued to escalate. And it basically was me now for three days in a hospital pushing off an induction, pushing off a cesarean, being walked in on by four doctors and being told that I can't leave the hospital because of their liability concerns because my heart rate's going up too high. Even though I'm sitting there watching and also monitoring. All of it. Right. <laughs> and or how, can we talk how, a little bit about how maybe your heart rate's going up because... You're being stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Because you're harassing me. <laughs> you know. Just, you know, putting that out there that that might be some of it. And, that's, and that was what was said. You know, my, my doula was in the room with me when the doctor walked in and did a public exam with me to tell me that I'm not in labor. And so I was like, so if I'm not in labor, can I go home, please? Mm-hmm. And the girl was like, you know, can she have a moment to like think about what's going on? Like think about how she wants to address what you're suggesting because they suggested to, to induce with Tosin. And, you know, she was like, I'm sorry, who are you? Like what? Like why? Like, and I was like, that's my doula. So here, so again, so the, here's the power, right? So I have this doctor and I'm in a room with both my doula, my mom was there and my partner. 
Mm-hmm. All of us are black. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, my mom's birthed before, so I'm here, right? Right. <laughs> um, and my doula's been to many births as well. And so it was like, there was no regard for that experience, no regard for the need for space. Mm-hmm. Um, and no regard for what we had to say. And so she can continue to say I wasn't in labor and that she had to give me pit immediately. Um, I held out and pushed for another day without being bothered to try and get it going on my own. And it didn't, it didn't, we just, the stress was too high. Like yeah. the fear was too high. Like the, the fact that I, I mean, like I am a doula now um, and my awareness of how much how much energy can be, um, what is it? How much energy can be um, redirected when someone else is intervening in something? Mm-hmm. And how that will affect the way someone's able to get into their body to birth. If you're asking them questions, if you're telling them things about why they should be afraid, you're taking them out of their body and putting them back in their head. I don't want to do long division when I'm trying to focus on my breath for my babies. Right. And if right. I'm doing long division, meaning like having to figure out how long it will take me to like get to a certain number of dilation or how to bring them down <laughs> for that, I'm going to be not actually in the body doing the work. Right. Um, and people don't get that. Like the, being in a hospital, being in a managed birthing situation with providers who are constantly checking the numbers that are around you, not checking on you, is problematic. And you know, I can I can say that like I had shopped around or tried to shop around in pregnancy for a good provider, and like I saw a midwife that was amazing. And the difference between my experience seeing her for prenatal and seeing a regular doctor for prenatal was kindness. It was mm-hmm. care. It was attention. It was focus. It was intuition. It was like you know, it was intent. You know, she sat with me. And like, ask me just like, who am I? What do I? Why do? I, how do I want to birth? You know, like, why do I think I want to birth at home? You know, what does it look like for me? How am I taking care of myself? Right? And like, part of my session was me actually doing my own urine tests and seeing the result from that. Yeah. And blood pressure, seeing my result from that, and then telling her what my plan was. When I saw my GYN, it was like, you pee in this cup, leave it on the shelf, mm-hmm. come in, put on this just dress. You're not involved in the process at all. Yep. It's a removal of me being a part of the process. So therefore, you'll wait then until I'm too far along to say, oh yeah, by the way, we've seen you have this increase of this concern, but didn't tell you. Whereas when I had a midwife, I would have known from the door. Yep. And you'd be planning with us. You'd be planning together around how to support me, <laughs> me in this process. Because right. it's different. Like the midwife actually takes care of the birthing person and not just the birth of new people you know, and their liability. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, so that was, that's, that was my pregnancy and the lead to my birth and my birth experience. I think I have sort of had different ex- thoughts about how I want to share the story of my birth and mm-hmm. how I feel about it because there are moments where I'm like, my birth was traumatic. My pregnancy was traumatic. And I feel like I don't want to keep living in that space because mm-hmm. I want to celebrate all of what I got to experience. I want to also 
celebrate and highlight the children that I have. But I also want to be careful that I don't deny myself my feelings. Right. Uh, and right. so I think that people oftentimes will tell a birthing person if their birth doesn't go how they want it to go, well, just be happy that, you know, you're, you're, you're fine. Be happy right. that you're here. And that is such a very um, destructive and um, offensive statement to make to somebody who, you know, who's a part of this. It's, it did right. not that person right. experience. Like you are, it makes them just a vessel. You are just exactly. the person in your body here and not that you yourself have needs, wants, desires, feelings, a connection to this. And so if I can share with others who are listening to be like, just be mindful of that. Like, right. you know, you, you give birth and the way that you give birth and how you arrive at your labor and birth um, and how you come out of your labor and birth and how you transition to all of that is your experience and whatever you feel about it, you should feel about it. Right. <laughs> otherwise, um, but that if there are moments where you're feeling not great about it, that you are afforded support, um, that you are Absolutely. given the space to reflect on it the way that you need to because postpartum is going to be really rough if that's the case. Right. Right. Understand how to be there for you. They won't understand why you feel the way you do. They, they'll dismiss, you know, the things that are concerning to you and you'll feel like you've lost everything mm -hmm. yourself. And that's, it's something that I feel that's, that's part of why I started to do this work. Um, you know, I, um, became a doula or trained to be a doula rather, um, literally a year after I returned back to work. Um, so I gave birth in November. I think I like pushed through one year of being back at work and then decided like almost on the anniversary of my return back to work that I needed a break. Yeah. And I tried to be a doula because it was like, I don't feel like my purpose is to be at this desk right now. <laughs> um, I also feel like my purpose is not to not be with my kids. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's important to me to also like make sure the people who may have similar experiences know that one, they're not alone. Two, that they should have enough support and know their rights about how they approach their birth and find community um, because that was major important for me. Knowing who else to talk to knowing like, you know, the ways that I can get myself out of a rut because there are many moments and there still are moments now where I'm just like, gosh, I, I think I'm still in a postpartum phase, a postpartum mood. Like it's not only a, a three or six week experience. Nope. I always say <laughs> no. postpartum is forever. It, it is forever because you have to really think about this. You like you, you know, as, as a person, um, who's able to give birth and who has a uterus. Like, I'm, you are a person who is born with eggs. <laughs> you are a person who at some point has to transition into having a menses, right? That took time, right? Mm -hmm. You change into that, you change into that person, you could get, you could, you could give birth. And then your body, has to ex your body has to accept the pregnancy. You like, you can try, but like your body has to accept that and then maintain it for nine months. And in those nine months, your body literally like transforms. Things right. move out of the way. <laughs> right. Right? And so you can't expect someone to go through all of those different transitions and then 
let this, let that personal people out of their body and just be who they were last time. They, they're, they're, there's no way. Like you're not gonna just feel the same exact way you did before that. You're not gonna see exactly. the world the same way. I mean, like the way that I always explain to my families now and even to people that like don't understand why I feel the way I do, I'm like when you realize or think about the fact that you wake up tomorrow morning and you're in the room somewhere and like down the hall, someone that you made skin cells for is doing something, <laughs> you don't <Right>. sleep. Right. <laughs> you don't because like someone got up in the other room today and like knocked something down and you made the hands that did that. So like you're never going to forget that, you know, like right. you're never going to forget that experience. Like I won't forget the time that my son started hiccuping, you know, um, in, in the womb. Like I could feel this constant like thumping, like this weird like, and I was like, what, what is that? And they were like, oh, it's hiccups. And I was like, hiccups? Like, like the, and so the first time I saw him outside of me hiccuping, I just bawled crying. I can remember what that felt like to feel right, you. Right, right, right. You're two different people, but I can feel you having that experience. I, right. You, you can never, you're, you're, you're forever changed. You're right. Be the length of your life because now they are here. Right. <laughs> they are part of the world. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not, not to say that, you know, people who are, people who are, you know, in, in process of postpartum moods that they should be like, this is a doom forever. But no, just like, just to know that, like, to have grace with yourself and to realize that, like, it takes time to kind of get to a place where you are balanced. Right. Not the same, not better, but balanced. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's so much from just you describing like your pregnancy, like, well, you haven't even gotten to like the whole birth story, but like just the pregnancy itself. And I think it's a strong reminder to me uh, just how we as individuals without even like putting birth and pregnancy into it, just have so many layers to us that have to be acknowledged in our experiences every day and, and how we navigate that really does something to how we evolve and change and grow. And so, you know, thinking about like you, you identifying as a black queer fat person like that, there's so many layers to each of those identities. Right. Um, and thinking about like your life, the trauma that you had before that and how that like interplayed with all of those identities, and then to add that layer of, oh, now I'm pregnant. Right. <laughs> and there's two people here. And there's two of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just, it really like brings forth to me of how we can't think of how people birth and how people are pregnant as this one size fits all. Like we cannot. And I know that, but like to hear you describe your experience, like it really does highlight that again for me of how anybody on the birthing team or anyone dealing with someone pregnant, how we really have to just listen and be there and help people find, like making sure that you have community to support all those identities, making sure you have care providers mm -hmm. who can at least hit on one, right. like just one of those right. Um, right. is a struggle right? at this point in time. Um, but really, like for me, it really just highlighted like how we can't, like we cannot look at and work with and, and treat 
birth and pregnancy and postpartum as this one dimensional thing because it's not because everybody brings their own story and experiences and all of that to their pregnancy and birth. Um, so that's one thing that like definitely just like ding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it literally has become, it's becoming like my, uh, I don't know. I guess it's now my my life's work, if you will. I don't know. (laughs) I I just find myself. So I'm, (laughs) After training to become a doula, I'm. I just recently finished a five-day lactation consultant, like Yay. counseling um, certification program. I'm waiting on that for the results of it. Like, there's just like I feel like there's not there's not enough places where um, we acknowledge different people birthing, mm-hmm. <laughs> different mm-hmm. folks coming yes. to yes folks and how they are handling their pregnancy because yep. everyone's happy when they find out that they are pregnant too you know because what does that mean for my for where I live what does it mean right. for you know me and my relationship what does it mean for like just a lot of things maybe maybe I'm dealing with you know substance use maybe I'm dealing with a mental illness like yep. and so you know maybe I'm, what, like how do you deal with being pregnant and, and being positive like what are the resources for that? What is a support? Right, no right. one knows until they get there. And then when they get there, it's like, you're a problem. And not like, right. let's take care of you. Like, exactly. You know, it's exactly. You know, this is, again, this is, place, this is a very vulnerable place for my to, to, to kind of traverse through. And so it's like, we don't, I think that we culturally don't understand the significance. Um, might even not understand. I think that we just, lack the ability to recognize the significance of birth and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to get too like hippie spiritual woo, but like legit, you are bringing a person into the world. Let's have some respect. <laughs> I think that's really, that's it. <laughs> like You're bringing a person into the world. Let's have some respect. Right, let's, let's just humble just ourselves just, for a second. Let's, hum- like, let's just humble ourselves. Five seconds. Back up. And the person who's going to do this thing and, and have this major life change event let that person's voice be the loudest because exactly. that person will tell you what they need, what they don't need and how they, how they want to go down. And, exactly. if, and, if, and if they have the agency to do it, things will be okay. Like it's insane to me. It's insane to me how many times I go to a birth and like the providers are so pressed to manage someone's labor instead of hearing them. It's like, like I went to a birth and the parent like had literally had um, a rapid labor and she uh, pushed her baby out over a birth ball on hands and knees in under two hours <laughs> and I was like this is not really happening but it did happen and like but they were still so caught up on like what the what their usual routine is what the protocol was the protocol and the time frame that's supposed to happen in so they were like prepared to bring her pitocin at this point and like and to, and to and like to check her friend. And she was like, I don't have time. Get out the way. I'm trying to push the baby out. Right. And so right. She had the baby and the placenta and was breastfeeding. And they were like, here's the pit for her shot. And I was like, <laughs> are you, do you, do you, can you just look at her for a second? Do you see her on this uh, bed right now? Like, they become robots. Right. Like, this doesn't follow the, like. It doesn't compute. It, it doesn't, doesn't compute. Exactly. Doesn't properly into the puzzle. And it's like, we're not puzzled. We are people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you you also hit on some other stuff that's just like, and we've talked about this before, and this is one of the main reasons we have this podcast, but just like our lived experience as people of color and just how 
systematic racism really does affect us. And I say this to people all the time, like our trauma, our experiences, like all of that manifests into our body. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's, it's, and so again, you know, I'm not a high risk because I'm an African American. I'm mm-hmm. high risk mm-hmm. because racism mm-hmm. causes <laughs> me to be high risk. I have high blood pressure because, you know, you keep nagging me, keep <laughs> nagging me. I'm being followed around the stores. Right. Our children are dying daily. Oh, because um, I have to work two jobs to be able to afford my rent yes. to, go to, to go to, to go to my job. Like, yes. like that's something that drives me insane. And part of, again, why I'm like reorienting myself in my life right now, because it was like, I'm, this can't be it. Like I can't, this can't be parenthood this can't be living if I'm literally focusing my time every day to just make enough money to be here Mm -hmm. and so you know that's something that's real for a lot of people who are you know in a struggle you know in a a financial struggle in an economic struggle like just like their their resources be slim to them and so it's like I, I think about and I've had clients where it's like you know I have a client like I can't I can't go to the doctor because I don't have childcare and I have to go to work because if I don't go to work, I can't afford the childcare. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and so I, yes. But I can't go to work because I'm having, I'm having this major like body, like I'm having like severe headaches and I'm having like swelling on my legs, but I have to go to work because if I don't go to work like that is real. Yes. <laughs> and, and on top of that, yes. on top of that, we're not paying brown folks the same as white folks. No. Nope. People who, who are presenting as female or feminine in the same way as we present paid people who are male or masculine. So like, mm-hmm. again, if I literally layer it with, with my experience, I am a black, right? Female assigned bodied person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so, and I'm partnered with somebody who also is a black <laughs> female bodied person. So right. my income, our livelihood is going to be affected by racism. And right. our, and right. place. So like that already puts us in a different place than someone else in this experience. Right. So and a stressor we don't talk about a lot too mm-hmm. is for our, 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 our families that are not, um, f- don't fit the normal of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you have, you had to get married. Yeah before <laughs> because you knew that if you walked into that space there were going to be problems for your partner to be able to support take care not only for you mm-hmm. but for your children right. who you both have shared this experience to make right. sure your children are here intentionally and so it's like and so and so there are moments where we have to um like there are moments where we have had to like take it for what it's worth and be like, you know what? We know that it's just paper. We just know that it's a matter of like legal stuff, but like it still sucks to be like, you know, if my partner was perceived as being male, all that would have to happen was somebody be in the room and witness her, witness them, witness him, whatever, and say that if I said that this is a father, <laughs> then that would just be it. <laughs> right. Um, but also the reality of the fact that like basically it's saying that our donor in this case, would have more rights than my partner. <laughs> um, or that if I was raped, that my rapist would have more rights than my partner, like, or, or anyone else, because that person has a biological connection to the kids, or assumed, basically. And right. so like, a lot right. of that, you know, can be another conversation, but like, <laughs> 
But in that moment, it was for me just knowing that like, I don't want to have to be in labor and be asked, who is this person? Why are they here? Or have them be sent away. And so it was like, I literally walked into the hospital and was like, hi, yeah, I was here yesterday, but <clears throat> I have a new last name. Here's my marriage paperwork updated. This is my wife. <laughs> this is my partner's spouse. Um, she will be here with me in labor. I don't want her to leave like at the door. Like that's what I had to say. That's what I said because I was so afraid. And again, like that, that was part of my, part of my birthday experience was me having to wrap up and reconcile fear um, to get back into labor. <laughs> um, fear what was what was pending what was hanging in the balance what was unresolved what what might show up later on and not just being able to be present for my right right ah like that hits that that for me that hits because we talk so much about having people go into their birth space able to like focus in and be honed in on Un, like trusting their body, trusting the process. And yet, like you just said, like I had fear mm-hmm. and I couldn't even be present in that moment. Um, I also was, I was just managing people. Like I, exactly. Like, yeah. Managing like, okay, so I'm like, all right, so this is where I'm at. Like, okay, this is how long I will take her to get to the hospital. Like, okay, like, you know, this is my partner. She's at work right now. Like how long will it take her to get downtown to the hospital? Like, like I'm thinking I'm doing long division. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm in my head doing that and not being like, this is the time where I should trust my breath and my intuition and listen to my babies and my body and roll with it. Because I did, I was doing that <laughs> until I got to the hospital. Right. So you made a statement that, that I really thought was important to reiterate and that was um not for for individuals who maybe didn't have their birth go the way they wanted it to Mm -hmm. the first thing was them being allowed to sit in those feelings Mm -hmm. it's so important because you are allowed to be angry sad whatever you feel about that that is important for you to process but then you also said for your birth that you didn't want it to only be this to stay in the sadness, to stay in that peace, like you wanted something else from it. And so I'm hoping that by sharing it now, yeah. and that's, our, that's, that's one of our, our, our hopes for this, is that people find that us being able to share and connect with our stories as a process of healing yeah. and as a process of connecting it and creating a, a deeper community and support and like uplifting that. So... Can you tell us mm-hmm. your birth story? Sure. Um, so I guess I'll, I'm going to keep it brief because there were so many parts to it leading up to the actual labor and birth. But I... Um, Don't keep it brief. You, sh- you no, do what I mean, you got to do. <laughs> I, mean, I, feel like, I feel like there's some, there's some parts of it where it's like, that wasn't me starting labor. That was just me having Braxton hits. But like literally, mm-hmm. I think... I, like it all tipped off like right around Halloween. I was like, I can't have a Halloween baby. No, like I don't, I don't travel through like, cause I'm in New York. So like we have a big Halloween parade that happens. Like I don't want to have to deal with trying to get around the city around this like massive event that's happening here. Yeah. Um, and my parents, like my mom had Joe up from Virginia. Um, she, <laughs> my mother was like, you know, very 
very connected to me as I was approaching the last few weeks of my pregnancy. Um, people also, you know, with twins, they're like, you know, you're not going to make it that long. You're not going to, you're like, you're probably going to have them pretty early. The, you know, twins, again, high risk, high risk, high risk. But like, you know, so here I am, it's like 34 weeks. And so we're still going and like, everything was so high and tight. There was nothing <laughs> happening down below. And I think I was getting ready to go into my weekly sessions, weekly business. And my mom was like, you know, call me before you go because they might try to start something with you. And I was like, mom, what do you mean? She was like, you know, you go in, they do a public exam and you come out and you're in labor because they're down there trying to pinch and twist something. I was like, mom, like, they're not going <laughs> to, you, know, you tell them that you don't want to do that. If you don't want to do that, if you do, then let me know so I can get ready to leave. Cause I'm going to leave the second that you start your labor so I can be there with you because yeah. I'm six hours away. Um, and my mom very promptly did because right around, right around Halloween, I actually started to have, um, really strong Braxton Hicks that like surprised me overnight. I like <laughs> was feeling very um, adventurous and decided that I was going to drink a bunch of uh, hibiscus tea. <laughs> um, Cause I was like, you know, I'm really thirsty. I'm tired of drinking water. I'm so over like trying to avoid my usual things as I went and had like people say that that's, you know, one way that you might, in might induce or cause contractions and, that was what I was worried might have happened. So I was like, okay, this is what's going on. It happened going on like for like an hour or so overnight. Like it was really painful. I got out of my sleep because of it. And then it like simmered down. So it was fine. My mom had been up at that point and was staying with me and was staying with me until my kids were going to arrive. So that made my mom was now living in my apartment with me and my partner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one bedroom in Brooklyn. Um, and my cats. <laughs> and my cats. Um, so very close, very close quarters. Um, and, you know, she is lovely. I love my mom. Um, you know, I have a very deep relationship with her. And when I told her I was going to get a doula, she was like, well, you don't, you don't need a doula. Like, you know, we, like, I, can, like, I got herbs for you. And, you know, I can <laughs> like, you know, hold your hand and I can talk to you and I can walk you through this because she herself had to advocate for her own birth and, like, do it different than her mom did. So she's like, I know – I know how this goes and like, I get it. And I would, you know, I would share with her about like things that are different now. And she was like, this is so different than it was before. Mom, it's not different. She said, now it's much more at stake. They're like, it's very much in our face now, but whatever. Long story short, she came up to New York and was with me. And you know, I had a weekly session. I go in, they check me, they would do pressure. They would do an ultrasound. Babies are head down. Babies are doing fine. Heart rates are okay. Um, right around November, ninth eighth the eighth so again election <laughs> um i pick up my surges i'm home um and it goes on for maybe i want to say it might have been like four hours um and so you know the way would come in and you know it would it would be a holding that was like i don't know like I don't know, I guess, a, I, don't, I can't even explain it, but like a, <laughs> just a very tight feeling, an intense feeling and heat through my body. And, um, you know, I let my doula know what was going on. Um, my mom was with me at that time. My sister came to my home with me. My dad was there. And so, you know, I was really trying to be not polite, but like clear, like I really don't need <clears throat> that much tension right now. I really want to not have um, folks standing around me, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like <clears throat> half dark and quiet and figure this out right now. And at some point, my mother drove me absolutely insane. And like, again, I love her to death, but it was like, don't touch me here. 
<laughs> Please don't stand over me. Yeah. I stop asking questions. Stop trying to tell me what you think I should do because you're my mom. And so, like, that relationship of, like, because she was related to me, like, there was a feeling of, like, please don't, <laughs> don't mom me right now. I'm trying to, like, right. do things. Stop, stop trying to, like, you know, if this is not about what you know, what you can do, I need you to stop. And so I had to send her into the other room and get with my sister and, you know, positions all over the bed. And, like, I threw up a bunch and, like, was in the bathroom. And, like, I thought I was going to, like, poop them out in there. And then probably around probably around midnight, I called into the my doctor's office and, again, asked, who's on call tonight? <laughs> and it was the doctor I didn't want to see. And I was like, oh, my God, can we hold out to tomorrow? And so she asked how far along are my, my contractions. And they were, I think at the time, I was probably around, like, maybe eight minutes apart. Okay. Um, and so, you know, but again, like, if I was a singleton birth, I would be okay, continue laboring at home to get to five. Right, right. I'm having twins, so it was like, you know, you should come in, we should check you and see how things are going. And, you know, I'm the only person in this generation who's having twins in my family, so it's like, no one really knows how to handle twin birth. Right, it's very right. afraid of, like, what's going to happen, and that was the, the case throughout my whole pregnancy. Like, just a lot of fear of my family, being worried about what would happen to me and to them, and like, whatever. So, I complied, <laughs> um, and we went to the hospital, and I arrived there to deal with, um, well, not to deal with, I mean, the nurses were, were decent, they actually mm -hmm. were supportive, and like, you know, like, listen to me, and I think like I said, I, think I told you, one nurse said to me, you know, I get the sense that you want to have no or very low interventions, and I want to let you know right now that we can support you with that, because your babies are in a good position, you are, you know, like you are already at, I think I was at three centimeters dilated and I was like 80% of face. So like very thin, not very open, but like people were shifting and moving down. So they told mm -hmm. me that day, they were like, you know, you're going to have your kids tonight. And so I'm excited. Like, okay, great. I'm going to see my babies soon. It's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been yeah. of like this work that we've been doing together and I'm going to see them soon. So it was like, okay, now I can let go of that. I got married today. I can let go of that. Right, right. <laughs> you know, um, my doula is here. I can let go of that. Um, my mom is here. I can let go of that, right? Like, <clears throat> we'll figure out everything else later on. I can let go of that. But I could not let go of the fact that there was a person who was not going to want to work with me in my birth goals mm -hmm. or consider my feelings in this. So that morning when she arrived <clears throat> and walked in to the room, there was an air of, like, I guess annoyance from her because it was mm -hmm. just like she was mad that I didn't go ahead and get the epidural. Yeah. <laughs> and that I wasn't oxytocin and that I hadn't, you know, done something to like move this along. Cause now, you know, now I'm holding a bed up. Um, <laughs> now I'm requiring her to do something. Mm -hmm. And so she walks in in scrubs. Um, <clears throat> and I had been checked before that in one position, but in her desire to check me, she had been sitting up in a different position that was a little bit, <clears throat> to me, um, I, I don't know what the word is, but just it was not, it was not, there was no care in how she was doing my, my pelvic exam. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she didn't even acknowledge me, didn't say anything to me at all. And like in that moment, I was like, I, I, I can go back to that moment and feel like, you know, who, 
where was I at? Because I'm someone who will, from the jump, be like, what are you doing? You haven't, you know, introduced yourself to me. Like, I don't want you yeah. touching me. Yeah. Like, again, this is a very vulnerable place where I'm like, okay, I'm excited to see my kids. I'm afraid of what you're going to do. I want to be in labor, but also, like, I don't want you to hurt me. Right. So let's, let's do this in a way that, like, <laughs> nothing will get tipped off. And so she did her public exam, and it was the first time I had ever had a public exam that hurt. <laughs> um, and she pulled her hands out of me, and I'm sorry, this is going to get a little bit graphic, and it may be a little bit um, triggering for some folks, but pulled her hands out of me, and her hands were covered in blood. And she just looked at me and was like, you're not in labor. And I was like, I, I couldn't even find the words to speak to her because it was just like, you didn't acknowledge me when you walked in. Mm -hmm. You're upset that I didn't comply with your preference about how I should labor. And then you're hurting me. And then you're telling me that I am not doing the right thing. So like, it literally is like a layering of, like bashing or layering of like uh, failure, mm -hmm. you know? And so then that now is what I'm carrying. Even if I let go of all those other things, I'm now carrying this, this, this weight of like shame and failure mm -hmm. and compromise. Um, and, you know, my doula was like, you know, she's, you know, as, and she's talking to me while I'm like, while I'm sitting through a search, I'm like reading through a search and she's like, can you give her a moment to just like, catch her breath before you talk to her about what's going on. And she was like, I, I really have to like get on to the next thing. And so it was just like, someone else was like, this is not okay. What's happening right now. And then yeah. again, that person because of their position, like completely just ignored that. <laughs> um, we even were trying to, I was even trying to get another, um, my doula's backup. It's a bit more senior to like help us with like what we could do to like yeah. get for myself. And so like, and doula said, can she get a moment to call, you know, and speak to my other doula, who's also had twins before and has had many propensive births and her experiences, and she's also, like, a really strong advocate. And so the doctor was like, I don't know who that is, and why does that matter? Like, I don't, like, why do we have to wait for her to have this conversation? Like, she's not in labor. We should give her an induction and move this along. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but if I'm not in labor, and my kids, as far as I can see on this screen right here, if their heart rates are okay, then why are we trying to push this further along? I came right. in here in labor. Right. <laughs> and they were just like, well, we really can't, you know, we can't let you leave. I said, well, I can go home, though. I mean, I, I labored at home. Maybe if I go home, I can go back into labor. Right. You know, I said, maybe if I, like, nipple stimulate, maybe if I, like, something else to like bring up my own oxytocin that I can reconnect <laughs> to right. my labor. And she was like, that's not really going to work. I don't know who told you that that would be a thing. That's, there's no, like, there's no evidence for that. That's not going to help you where you need to go. Like you're not going to get anywhere with doing those things. Like it's just not, it's not going to happen. Um, and I was like, I let to try. I really want to try. Like I said, my, my goal is to labor my birth. I want to labor my kids here. I want to feel them arrive. That is a very important part of my experience. And she left the room. The nurse in the room was just like, you know, you're, you're doing really good to like, advocate. like she was like, I feel like they all were looking at me like, I can't believe you said what you said to this person. I'm like, why would I not? Right. Y'all are here to come see me. I'm not here to come see you. Like, <laughs> 
I'm not here to come. You're, you're here to come witness me. You're helping right. me. You are not bringing my kids here. I am bringing them here, not you. And so she left the room and came back with three other providers. One of them was the head of, um, I guess, their maternal female medicine department, like their advanced medical um, prenatal folks. And yeah. she came in with a chair and sat down very quaintly and was like, wanting to have this conversation with me. I'm, I'm trying to reconnect to my labor. Right. You were in here every 10 minutes with a blood pressure cuff and a thermometer and checking the, where they're at. And, and I haven't slept. <laughs> and now you bring somebody in here to stand over me and tell me how I'm basically failing at this process when I'm trying to, again, reconnect. Right. Um, and I was like, well, then why don't we take out this port in my back and I'll go home and I'll return. And we really can't let you do that because of the liability. What if you go home and like something happens and what happens, you know, what, what would happen to your babies? So again, now layering of this fear. Right. I have the right to leave. You know, you, 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 <laughs> anyone should know that if they are in labor and if things are going in a way that makes them feel unsafe, um, that you can fire your medical provider, that you can ask for second opinion, that you can sign out of the hospital and go somewhere yep. else, that you yep. don't have to sit there and take anything because, again, you are a human being. And that, you know, we, that there's a place where there are hospital regulations and hospital protocols, but, but what trumps that is your human right. And right. so if you're feeling unsafe, if you're feeling like you're being attacked, if you feel like you, like you have no one to support you, you can go, you can, you, if you can choose to leave and do that, however, comma, that there may be things that will be laid onto that. So you, if you are a brown person, may have to deal with them saying you are endangering your child. We're going to call ACS on you. Like there's a lot of like, like a lot of like politics to that. Which yep. can be brought up when you're trying to, like trying to be in labor, but it's like, I'm trying to take care of myself. And so they layer this fear of like, I'm going to kill my babies if I leave. I'm going to leave here and have a seizure. And it was just like, what, from what, what is it that would make me have these things? And they would not be forthcoming and tell me what that was. I was like, you're taking labs every so often. You're running urine. Like, what, why are you suggesting that I'm going to have this issue? Again, I've had this pregnancy with no complications. Right. And throughout the whole thing, I was going to have something. And it never, ever happened. Because you are assuming, again, that a fat black body will have these things. Right. And you're telling me I'm not in labor because I'm sitting here processing my labor without having a show of pain. So it's right. not enough for you. Right. I'm going to turn it up so you can see something because I'm here right now. You know, it just was a lot. And so to have nurses come in and be like, no, you have the right to do that. You know, like, I, like, I can't, I can't speak for you, but like, you know, you have, like you, you're fine to say that. Like you might want to reiterate that again, like to have, <laughs> to have this layering of like, I have a doula, I have my own ideas. I have nurses who are all like trying to support me again in this space of like, this is an event about my body and my children. And then I have someone who is given like, who's given full power to decide for me just didn't feel right. And so right. After that conversation of like four doctors talking to me, I pushed for another day. And so I got moved somewhere else into the hospital to try and reactivate labor. And so that night I slept, <laughs> I got to eat a meal. I didn't have someone leaning over me. Yeah. I had, I had one, maybe one weird nurse and that was it. <laughs> but like, it still wasn't home. It just was not on the same floor, not in the same room. Yeah. 
Um, but it also was under this time crunch of like, okay, well, if you don't have progress by tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., then we're going to do Pitocin. Mm-hmm. So now again, we're like, I'm being told with time. Like I have to, my body has to subscribe to industrial time. Yeah. And not, <laughs> and not, not let it just do what it wants. And not let it do what it has to do. And so I'm here again, even though I'm resting, I'm still thinking about like, I have eight hours to get this going. I have five hours. Like I'm thinking about t- like, clocking down the time to when they're going to come in again and preparing myself for that. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we move into this um, induction and I, I made it very clear that I want this to go slowly. I don't want you to ramp up this medication on me. I don't even want medication to begin with, but if you're going to do it, I want it to be the most little amount possible because you're telling me I would need only a kick of it to make things happen. You, you said right. that to me. Right. So let, let that be the truth. And that's not, you know, and so I think it might've been 10 hours and not enough for them that they said to me, well, you know, we're going to have to stop this and talk about other options for you. And at that point, the doctor who had said that she would support me in having vaginal birth and would be willing to actually do a manual version if needed be, you know, like mm-hmm. to turn, to turn my second baby around if she was in the wrong position. Um, she came in and like my anxiety with the other doctor had left because I wasn't being charged at with this, like, you're not in labor, you're not progressing, like all of this animosity and anger for me not subscribing to what she wanted me to do. And now the person who I could trust coming in the room and she like, she asked me like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, I don't, I want to honor you in your experience. Like she sat down with me and said, you know, like there was not 10 nurses standing around. There weren't any students. There wasn't like, you know, and she's like, you know, I, I, we've talked before about this and, you know, you've been, you've been amazing at keeping your health on par in pregnancy. And, you know, there, like, there are some reasons why we want to have a cesarean at this point because we're not seeing enough progress and you've been here for so long. Um, but like, what do you want to do? You know? And so I asked, you know, what, what are my options really? Like what's happening? You know? And she's like, well, you know, we're really concerned about, um, <clears throat> Oh, my internet's unstable. <laughs> um, my my website, I think my web was cutting out. Um, she just was like, you know, we're really worried about the fact that you might, with your high your pressure being um, elevated, that you may have an episode, and so we might want to give you magnesium to try and like diffuse that. Like there are things that they do if they feel that you're becoming hypertensive, mm-hmm. they try and bring that down, but that. She was like, so basically, there, you know, there are two ways to address the fact that your pressure is going up. And I was like, my pressure is not going up. My pressure is <laughs> remaining the same, but also I am in labor, <laughs> yeah. which is useful. And so, again, if I was a singleton, having this birth and had elevated pressure, not to the point, I mean, not to the point where it's like you're considered high blood pressure, but like just elevated. Like I was, I was elevating a little bit. If I was a singleton, it would have been like, well, that's typical. You're going to have a baby soon. Like, that's what's going to happen to your body. But I am carrying two people, <laughs> and I'm adipose or fat. And, you know, black folks, you know, we have hypertension. That's, like, mm-hmm. like automatic. We assume that you're going to have this thing. And I was like, so because of those, those risk factors, it was advised that, like, we stop the Pitocin, we consider cesarean birth, um, because the, the risk of me coming out of this birth um, affected in a physical way, we're going to become, we're going to be high. That's what I was told. Yeah. Because I had been on 
medication for so many hours because I basically had, I guess, worn out, if you will, of what they said to me, which I know now differently is not this the case, but that I had worn out my uterus on this medication that it would not necessarily do what it's supposed to do now that I've been receiving the medication for so long. Yeah. Um, and so I had to have a really hard conversation with my partner and my family about the, uh, the, the proposal of cesarean birth. And, you know, it was really hard for me in that moment to be like, I started this pregnancy in a place of like absolute, like amazing, like powerful, like <laughs> divine elation. Yeah. And this idea of like, this is the one time that like in my life that I'm going to be in a sense, like normal, like I'm not going to do like, I'm like, I'm not the kid who's like a little bit weird or like is poor or like is bigger than everybody else in class. Like, like I'm not the kid who's like, I'm not the person who's like, has a you know a queer partner and we can't have a baby like <clears throat> you know it's it's you know I was able to afford myself this you know the right insurance be able to cover all these things yeah and, like and so I can like I can do this but now I'm being told that I can't do this like I'm being told that I don't have these options anymore and it was really disheartening but like we we went forward with it and I did the best that I could to be able to stay present with myself and so you know, they wanted to wheel me into the room. I said, no, I'm going to walk. <laughs> they wanted, <laughs> no, I'm going to walk. Um, and, you know, my partner dressed up in a little outfit or whatever and, like, you know, sat with me. And I was very clear to let them know that, like, I want to see. I, wanna, I want to be a part of this. I don't want you talking about what you're doing over my body. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to respect yes. me in this space. I want you to know that, I want you to remember that I am the person in the room who you came to see, that I'm not here to see you, and that we are going to respect their arrival. And so, you know, they set me up for the table. They had offered a family-centered cesarean, so that means that I would be able to see my children arrive. Um, and it's, they explained to me what what I would expect. And I had pretty yeah. they looked up what this could look like because a lot of doctors that I was consulting with were saying to me that they didn't have the space to take me on as a client. Um, but I wanted to transfer through my, uh, through my pregnancy mm -hmm. because they, they didn't have the capacity to try and support someone having a vaginal birth of twins. And so if I wanted to join them, I have to be okay with having this kind of birth, having a family centered cesarean. So I had to look it up beforehand. So I knew what was expected, right? Um, and so, you know, we're, 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 um, I'm on the table and I'm dressed and my doctor, again, the same one, same woman who like walked in and said, you know, what do you want to do? Spent her time taking care to talk to me and tell me like, okay, we're going to do this right now. Yeah. It's going to feel cold right now. You might like just letting me know what to expect and acknowledging me and talking to me. Like I'm going to get a little bit emotional because I just can't, I just like, like the fact that she could take a moment to step out of herself being a doctor and remember to be human with me. Yeah. And to remember that I had fi I'd been fighting <laughs> this whole entire time. Yes. To just be present. And she wanted to remind me that I could. So it was like, okay, we're going to do this now. You might feel pressure. And so I remember the exact moment now when I could look up and the drape was down and I could see my son's body come out and I could feel... I could feel the release of him from me. So it wasn't so much that I was pushing, but I was allowing him to arrive. I could feel my body giving him here. Mm -hmm. And I could see him. 
And it was such a powerful moment because it was like, even though we centered the idea of like, I'm going to push, or people ask you, did you push? Or was it natural? Like, as if, you know, that is the only way to to birth people into the world yes you know there are different ways that we get to this to, to that we arrive in this world the earth side you know like yes how we value um the experience is really funky and so i want people to, un to understand that like even if your idea is to like have a natural have a vaginal have a non-vaginal birth that like if you are unable to for whatever reason that you also should understand or have an awareness of what a cesarean looks like and feels like and prepare yourself for it so you can ask and advocate for what you desire in that space because you have the right to again <laughs> do so and so right. you know i saw my son be born and you know they took him out and brought him over to me my daughter was not far behind <laughs> she actually was um great presenting so i saw her butt come out first <laughs> um and could feel could feel like I don't know if, I, if I'm if I'm like you know having a phantom feeling, but I feel like the water that was around them, like like that being gone, like the idea of like like I opened up so that they could be, and so there are now bodies here, and there are voices here, and there are sounds here, and the water is gone, and the weight is gone, and my babies are here, and I'm gonna be okay, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, they brought them to me, and. You know, I wanted direct skin to skin. I didn't want them wiped off, but like that didn't happen. And I wasn't, I was too, <laughs> you know, too, um, not dope, but like I was too much in like the lights and people around me. And like, you yeah. know, like the twins, when they say you're going to have a birth in an operating room, they mean that they're going to have two um, nurses there, two pediatricians, your GYN, your OBGYN, a surgeon there. Like there are a lot of people who are in the room along with the anesthesiologist, your partner, like there's a lot of you who are around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to focus on my kids. And so I just like, you know, I'm minding them from my, from my space on the table. And, you know, the very, the very still, the very, um, the very similar things that happened in a vaginal birth still happened for me in my cesarean birth, because, you know, that, that transitional, like, shaking that happens like yeah. I was like they were like you might shake I said why am I shaking they were like it just, it just happens the hormones shift in the body and like so there's a point where I was like trying to get them to come to me and I was like I couldn't speak I was like stuttering and I was like shaking around and I was like but the, the amount of like emotion behind seeing them and then having them with me and put on my chest and smell me and see them like my daughter right away was trying to root because she wanted a nurse and I was like look at like we like we belong together now <laughs> And we got to postpartum and like I spent the next three days just focusing on like <laughs> reconfiguring my ideas around what it means to be us now because yeah. we're not sharing a body, but we are still sharing a body because I'm breastfeeding them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so very true. <laughs> and, you know, I fought like hell to breastfeed them because it's not something easy to do in general. <laughs> also not easy to do when there are twins. Yes. And not easy to do when you have a cesarean birth. And so yes. I was, it was rough, but we got to 14 months. And that was something that was, again, me transitioning. Yes. Like me transitioning into the space of like, you know, okay, I, I could not, people did not support me and afford me the space that I needed in pregnancy, I mean, in, in my labor and birth. I'm going to take that back. 
And part of my healing was dedicating my time to me nursing my children. <laughs> it was giving that time every day and every night and every overnight <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that I was still being able to feed them. Yeah. And it was hard. Like, it was really hard because, you know, people say, I support breastfeeding, but, like, they really don't understand what that means. Mm. And when you have to, it means you are literally always smoking. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're always smoking. Um, you're always nursing. Um, but it was a beautiful thing. And, you know, to this day, I, I like, I am so thankful for, I don't know, I guess my, um, I don't know. I'm just thankful for the fact that I was very strong in my convictions. I guess I'm thankful for not being basic in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I come to, I came to my birth with experience being an activist and being an advocate and being someone who's headstrong and, and defiant. And so yes. that allowed me to push when I needed to, when I, when I was in labor, even if I didn't want to, and be able to keep a strength for afterwards to carry on with caring for my kids and being a parent. My, um, I think I said before, my name um, is a tribute to them because they cared for me in pregnancy. They, they made sure that I was the person who did not happen to have, <laughs> you know, diabetes in gestation. I didn't have hypertension. I didn't, like, there was no, like, I probably was the most, like, healthy, pregnant, twin-carrying, fat black person you could see because, like, we took care of each other. Yeah. And so I honor them. I honor them by taking their middle names now and, and defining that as being who I am. I honor them and acknowledging that we are still us. Mm -hmm. And so when I say my pronouns are they and them, it's because I'm non-binary. Like, that's the truth. But also, I've... I've experienced what it's been like to be they. Like, when things are happening in pregnancy, it is not just me. It is me, but it's not just me. And, you know, that will never leave my experience. Um, and so as I am now in the world <laughs> doing, um, you know, being a birth worker and supporting other families, my, my focus is always about making sure folks are present in their pregnancy, that they give themselves time to acknowledge what their body is doing, what their family is doing, that they have time in that space to really enrich and nourish themselves and enjoy that. Because, you know, it's, it's like you literally, we, we literally focus on like, okay, I have three months to go. I'm halfway there. Like we're, we're counting down this thing and I know we're excited, but what about here right now? Exactly. No, <laughs> what about, so true. What about, what about the feeling right now where it's like I'm sitting in bed eating this orange and you, one of you, really likes it? Right. <laughs> and so I'm feeling a flutter, you know? Or I remember playing um, a Michelle Neo cello song. Um, <laughs> I, and so, like, they were, they were in the middle of, like, doing some of their – they were moving. They were shifting positions. Yeah. And I remember it being really uncomfortable. And I had gotten on hands and knees and cat and cow to a song. And it was a very, like, this is about <laughs> – us working together just so you all know yes. <laughs> we're doing this together so you want to move i'm going to help you move i'm going to get on hands and knees we're going to get in you know proper field positioning and you're going to not hurt me anymore because this is hurting my back lower hip like please work <laughs> with me i want to sleep tonight yeah but like i will that will remain vivid to me those things will remain vivid to me the way that the provider came in and acknowledged the fact that i had been 
the person leading this and wanting to lead this or main vivid to me. The person, the woman that came in and basically violated my body, that exists, but not at the same magnitude of the greatness that existed in my, my yeah. That will never trump it. I got the chills when you said, I felt that release mm-hmm. when my, children, my, my son was born. And I think that, like, when I think about becoming a parent, no matter vaginal, cesarean, adoption, foster, there's something about, like, releasing your children Mm -hmm. into the world. And it looks different for everyone, but there's just something about that that I think really, like, you're like, I did that. We did this. And, you know, thinking about like, I created those little hands that are in the other room touching everything. Um, It's, it's, there aren't words for it. There really aren't. No, there's nothing that I, like, I can't, like, I tried to just explain it just now, but it's like, I can, like, I just, I can just feel it. I just, I can feel it still. Like what it means to know the weight of a being inside of you and their movements and get a feel for their character and like their hiccups, like I said, or in my daughter's case, her very busy bodied nature. She kept moving. She kept like, she was, (laughs) she was head up, she was head down. She was like, you know, she was across the body. She just kept shifting. And that's who she is today in the world. Very active and very busy. But to like, to feel that be, to be, to come from you. Yeah. To come from you and to know that it's now that they are some, there are people that you can see, people that you will smell, people that you can touch. Um, people who will be on you and with you, and then even yeah. when they're not on you with you, you still feel them. Yep. Um, but also with with my experience with nursing, that like I didn't have to actually touch you to let down because like I just we had this connection of like this is supposed to happen right now, like that, right. like all of these right. things, like the I don't know, just the, the 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 nature of it, if you will, like right set up in a way that you know we don't really have to know everything about birth to birth <laughs> because yes. we know it, our body knows it, and and I think even more as you were saying before that we just like we carry around um, traumas and histories, we also carry around like instincts we carry around you know the inheritance of people that come before us and like I wore I wore my grand I didn't share my I wore my grandmother's muumu to my labor I didn't wear a hospital gown because I, I was I said my grandma had nine kids um you know <laughs> she had nine kids you know and she was a single a single parent doing that in the 60s and like but also working a, full, a full-time job helping um, uh, educating other people so it's like I brought my, my grandma in the room with me that day. Yes. You know, I, I said, you know, this is, you know, like, you can't be here with me in this moment physically. And I feel like I want you to be, but like, I'm going to wear the things that remind me of you. I'm going to, I'm going to call you into the room. I need you right now. Right. I know you're yeah. in me, but like, I want to feel you with me. And so I knew that right. she was there, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think it's important that we, that we all like, you fought for that. 
and you fought for a space and though and then it didn't turn out exactly how you had planned it to but you fought for that um and that that's that still makes you powerful and it still is a an amazing part of your story and like you said like you know the good like you can feel how you felt during the good parts and you can feel how you felt during the not so good parts but like you said the magnitude of the not so good parts is not that high um and i and i and i'm making an assumption but that because you're like because you fought for that like even though it happened you were in control always right right which is and they knew that right (laughs) (laughs) which is a huge huge part of it like i mean I've, I've attended a few, a, a few births now <laughs> and, you know, in cases where other, I've seen other people who like things are not going the right way or things change or whatever. And it's like, I make it my job to make sure that the things that they articulate to me that are most important to them, that we find some way to connect to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I supported a family with a birth and again, she was like, I want to labor my kids here. I don't want to be induced and, she carried her twins also to 39 weeks and, and pushed off of indu- an induction that was scheduled for her. And, you know, she was very clear about wanting to include her spirituality in her labor. She wanted to be able to move around. And so when I arrived to see her in the hospital and they were like, we're not going to induce you today because we're worried about the positioning. And she was just laying down on the bed. I said, we have to get up. <laughs> I don't want you laying down there. You, there's no reason why you, you have no epidural. You're, there's no balloon happening. You know, we talked about what you want to do in labor. Let's go ahead and show out. <laughs> and we did. Right. <laughs> you right. know, they, they had to come in there and check her every 10 minutes because they couldn't find the baby's heart. But you know what? I wanted to make sure that she at least had the opportunity to do whatever she could do. Make sure she had the opportunity to be heard about what she wanted and not have someone tell her how it's going to go. Because right. Again, this is a very delicate place. <laughs> right, right. So you talked a little bit that you were, that you nursed the twins to fourteen months, which is amazing and wonderful. And um, as a nursing parent, who I nursed my first one to fourteen months. Um, we'll see how long my son goes, but <laughs> knowing that it's a journey, like that nursing is a journey. Can you talk a little, like, briefly, how was postpartum for you? And especially since with twins, that adds an extra layer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it was really, I mean, I don't think that I really understood what I was going to be facing. I mean, I had, I had, you know, back when everything was just like, this feels amazing. It'd be like, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, I can, already, I can imagine I'm going to basically be, for lack of a better term, a cow. I'm going to just be sitting down and just like, attached to kids all day or pumps all day. <laughs> and I was like, and so everyone has to basically like bring the things to me. I can't, I'm not going to be going anywhere, you know, like that's how I saw it. And that wasn't too far from the truth, but I didn't really understand like how often a child would need to nurse. I didn't understand like how to, uh, I didn't know what to look for with breastfeeding a person. Like, I didn't know whether or not they got enough milk. I was worried about like, you know, how soon they would get milk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, after their birth, there was a lot of stress in the hospital about their weight. Um, and even though the hospital, you know, said that they're breastfeeding, that they are supportive of breastfeeding, it didn't feel that way because, mm-hmm. you know, on day one, 
no one has milk right away. I mean, not, not anybody that her has milk on the first day. You have colostrum or you have like a transitional milk. Um, and with a cesarean birth, it takes a little bit longer sometimes if you like you, your body's doing a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know about hand expression back then. I had no idea about like trying to simulate um, simulate my uh, uh, nipples to stretch them, to ask for <laughs> and trigger <laughs> off. Like that's I learned. I literally just learned that from my training three weeks ago, being a um, lactation uh, counselor certification. I went to that. Like it's not about it's not about like getting the milk out. It's about asking for it to come in, <laughs> and how you do that's important, and how often you do it. So it was like I didn't realize that like it needs to happen frequently. That it needs to happen frequently. It might be short times. So I was like, you know, I have a kid on the breast for half an hour, but they're still losing weight. Like it was. It could have been a latch. It could have been that like I didn't have the milk in yet. But it was. It could be a lot of things. Like I didn't understand that breast milk. You know, is not like. It's not exactly the same at all times. So like it could be high fat, it could be high, it could vary, right? So like I'm missing out maybe overnight on the, the fattier milk. I just like there's so much about that that's I feel like is not shared enough for people when they have clear mind <laughs> earlier on. Right. Probably right. in pregnancy. Right. <laughs> because to try and tell someone after they've spent, in my case, three days in a hospital fighting with people <laughs> and then going through a surgery. And then coming out and healing from surgery. Yeah, like you can't, there's no way you're taking in information at that point. I'm trying to understand, like, I'm trying to say, like, I'm trying to figure out how to pee right now. Like, there's, 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 (laughs) there are things hooked up to me. I want to get up and leave and go to the bathroom and be, and be, again, be basic and be regular. And I, like, and then also I want to feed these kids. I don't want, I don't want to lose this space of like bonding because I, I knew at least, like, in the skin's important, try to get them latched as soon as possible. Yeah. I had no frame of like what that would look like and how much it would require of me and neither did my mom, or my partner or anybody in the hospital. Cause it was like, again, twin birth, like yeah, <laughs> they're used to singleton. So this is okay, whatever. But, but also like my kids were born at six pounds and like seven ounces, six pounds, one ounce. They were like, they were not small, presumably small twins at a, a preterm birth. We yeah. had, 37.5 we were almost 38 weeks when I, when I had them and only because I was pushed <laughs> into the process of labor and didn't let it just right. roll out um and so there was stress around how much I was feeding them how often I was feeding them because they were losing weight in the hospital and what is not talked about is that kids do lose weight a little bit, mm-hmm. especially if <laughs> you are on a IV for a prolonged period of time, yeah. that there may be lethargy afterwards because yep. yep. you're on all the medications ever. When you're like, if you're on medication in your labor and also as you're recovering with a cesarean, so like, I didn't realize how many things were going to be an adverse. In, in, uh, what's the word? Um, would make it hard for me to do this, but yeah. I just continue to press on. Cause I was like, I, I need to do this, <laughs> you know? And it meant that I would side lay with the baby in the bed sometimes at night to breastfeed one and then get pumped the other breast. The other one didn't want to nurse. It, might, it meant me being propped up on all the pills ever in my house <laughs> and nurse. It meant me fighting with family to be like, you know, I know you want to hold them. 
I know you want to play with them, but like right now, I'm kind of doing a job of making milk, so I need them with me. And, and it led to me being, it led to there being a space again of tension around like me being very demanding. But I was like, you have to understand how this works. The, the right. mechanics that require me to be next to them. <laughs> and so I'm going to carry them. I'm going to nurse them. I'm going to have them with me to do this because I have to call for it, you know? Right. And, right. Um, there were moments where like people decided that my breast milk was not enough and we give my children a bottle of formula or like we grappled with, wow. we grappled with there being enough milk and not, we didn't know, but we're not like, again, no one talks to you about like what breast milk is, is, is encompassing and how it works. And so we didn't know that like, okay, maybe this two ounces of milk that they're drinking is, you know, a lot of fat and that will be enough for them. But we're used to seeing a four ounce bottle of formula. So like mm -hmm. and they just like, mm -hmm. like understanding the difference of that. And like that was stressful and very difficult. And it yeah. was really continue to fight again. <laughs> um, and it made for like, you know, a lot of tension between me and my partner and our families about like me not sleeping enough and you know, just people feeling like I'm so tied up in trying to do this breastfeeding thing that I'm not doing the right thing for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, or then I'm like, you know, like the, the concern about like, well, you're just sitting around all day. And I'm just like, I'm not sitting around all day. I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> I mean, and if you were, that's okay. Right. I'm also you healing. Just have two babies. Right. <laughs> by a major surgery. Right. So it's fine. Right. It's fine. But, you know, it's, we don't like, we don't, we don't talk about it. There's not enough, there's not enough things that show us what postpartum looks like. Right. And not showing us what postpartum looks like if you have twins, <laughs> mm -hmm. not what it looks like if you've had a cesarean birth, and not and not with images of brown people. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's like you know, yeah, you know, people have twins, and I, and I and to be honest, like I would look at things about twins and twin births and whatever, and like, and I would see people who are doing this. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. This person is nursing twins, and she has like someone bringing her all the things, and like doesn't have to go to work. Like she's like she's got. She's secure in that regard. Like she's not thinking about like I literally, I think I had hit and hit two months postpartum and I was like bawling, knowing that I had only thirty days left to have time with my kids full time. I had like a mm -hmm. month left before going to work, and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, a breakdown because I was like, I can't, I can't possibly leave them. I've worked so hard to get this milk happening for them. And it's my job every single day, and now I'm gonna go to work. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in a room pumping. Like, I don't, like that's not that's not what I'm like. That's not the goal here. And so, you know, it was really hard going back to work. It was really hard trying to figure out like taking time for myself. It was really hard to figure out what that even meant. Like, I had an employee who I had hired, and he was amazing because he would ask me in our our um, supervisions, like, you know, questions about myself. And I was like, I don't even have an answer for you. I don't know who I am right now because I'm just trying to be these kids mom right right like this you know like <laughs> and i and i we talked before you mentioned in my um my statement about this experience and that this the over i want to say over momming people because there's a space where like we can celebrate the experience of becoming a mother and becoming a mom but i think that people also don't recognize the amount of strain that that can put on someone Mm -hmm. um, the idea of what is what you're supposed to look like and behave and how you're supposed to conduct yourself like that you're supposed to be basically selfless and always right. giving of yourself and right. that <laughs> and that you have you shouldn't wear like, I just felt like 
I, I remember like throwing away half of my clothing because so I was like, I'm not gonna wear that. I'm, like, I'm gonna be a mom. Like, I, like, like this, this loss of self, you know. Right. And so it was like, right. I don't want to lose who I am because now right. I'm a parent. <laughs> right. Um, I want that to be an addition. Right. I want like, that not, to be I'm part not, of my growth. I don't want it to now be, oh, she's just a mom. And it, some people do identify as just being a mom, and, and that's, that's cool. fine. That's all right. Good for you. <laughs> And I, and I support, and I, and I, I should say I support that, but I think yes. that there's so like, I, I make it a practice of not assuming that someone, I, I mean, I, I literally call places and they'll say to me because they know I'm calling about the kids. I go, Oh, hi mom. And I'm like, my name is Hunter Day. <laughs> you can call me by my name. Like I'm still a person. Like, I don't know why the default is now you, like I, I didn't like go somewhere and hand my name in to then right. get mom. Like I didn't right. like. I didn't retire it, so I don't understand why <laughs> we disregard it and like throw it away. But also, I have I have um, friends in my community who are not moms. They are transidentified, so they, you know, they're they may be non-binary, they may be male or masculine who've had mm-hmm. a baby, and like then they're now in a place of like, oh, you've had this baby, and you're in the moms unit of the hospital, or like there's a moms group for this thing. It's like, but then where do those people go? Right. <laughs> Right. Support, you know, right. and for me, it was very much like I'm someone who, again, I don't use a title. And, um, but I also feel connected strongly to myself being a black person. And I, and I want to be a black mom's group because like, that's, you know, a face that I'm in, but like, I don't have the same like experience of like husband issues or like, like I don't have the same, like I kept being in groups where people talking about like, their challenges with their husband and like sexual, like sexual things. I'm like, I don't have that experience. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to have that conversation with you or you would be kind of, or they'd be kind of weird with me about my experience. Like, you know, oh, well, you're two girls. I'm like, well, no, that's not exactly the experience that we're, right. it's not the same thing. Um, but also thinking ahead as a parent, I was like, I don't want there to be a moment where my kids are also in school where someone um, will say something to them and say something to them that infers that they have a mom and a dad or that one parent has more significance than the other mm-hmm. parent um or that there's you know that there's some sort of i mean again, patriarchy like there's some there's yeah. some <laughs> there's some level of like um priority to a certain person and their title and right. so very important to me that for both of us that we're both their parents um and it was important that i made that clear to both our families and our friends and our people that just know us because it was like just, just for instance, like my partner at the time was working um, in a job where she was working with children who were really young to get them um, screened for their vision and get them glasses. And so someone in her job space um, told a young boy that he couldn't have a pair of glasses that were red and asked him, what would his father think of that? What would his mother think of that? And he was like, you know, actually, I really, I really like my glasses being red because they remind me of my mom. And my mom passed away. And so the assumption of like mm-hmm. what child's parents and what their caregivers are like, mm-hmm. also the assumption of like your dad will not like you wearing these glasses because they're feminine. Like this, like this, I just didn't want there to be like yeah. the variance of like, well, your mom won't like that or your dad. Like my yeah. parents <laughs> right. are not here for the foolery. So like, let's do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And address it as such. And like, let that be clear because there's, I mean, also there's a space of like, well, 
but she's the who's your real mom like like that that becomes a thing mm-hmm. also so i don't want that to be i don't want that to yes. be a thing at all for us yes. um so i wanted to be clear that like for them that they can go to either one of us and that either one of them will respond to whatever happens in school in the same way because they're both right. parents <laughs> right um, and i think that that's that's a, that's an important important thing to raise that parents yeah we're parents. Yeah. Or we're, we're, or we're in this guardians. Or we're can- yes. We're in this together. Right. To support <laughs> you, to help you grow, to make you wonderful people for this world. Right. Um, to care that, for you. To care for you, to love on you. <laughs> yeah. We are a unit. We are right. parents to, to do that together. Um, because no matter what that dynamic looks like, the creation, the process of bringing you here yeah. for, for most people that happened as a unit together yeah. as parents. Right. Um, I shouldn't say most people. I should say for some people. Yeah, some uh, people. yeah. but I thank you so much <laughs> for your vulnerability today, for your willingness tonight, for your... <laughs> <laughs> this evening. This evening. <laughs> Your willingness to share and grow from this and um, give this to us to help us grow. And I really, really appreciate that um, and I'm truly thankful for this. Um, but is there anything else you want to share with listeners, like resources, advice, anything else from your experience that you want to leave them with? <laughs> um. I guess I'll say two things. Yeah, two things. I'll say um, to trust what you know um, and not not focus on what you think. Mm. Trust what you know for real, for real, and not focus on what you think about something, right? Um, and and that that birth culture you know like the the idea of what it is to birth is yours it's however you define it to be it's not it's not it's not the way that you may specifically see it or hear about it or expect it to be that it is whatever it is for you and that you should feel comfortable leading in that and mm. defining that and owning all of it because you're the reason why it's happening yeah. Laura, I thank you for even ha- just like <laughs> I remember being postpartum and seeing this project and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like just because, you know, I there's a lot of like podcasts and like talk about like, you know, people who are giving birth and people who are pregnant and like we see a lot of images and stuff and like it doesn't look like it's not sharing this experience. It's not it's not creating a space of community. It doesn't talk about like our joys, it doesn't talk about no. like our conflicts doesn't talk no. about like you know our families doesn't talk about where we come from it's just no. like here's a black person here's a brown person here are their problems mm-hmm. <laughs> here's why they had here's why they had this kind of birth mm-hmm. it's their fault let's blame them let's shame them but here it's like like here are all these people who are coming together to talk about the significance of a very important time in their life as they bring someone else or someone's else, I guess, into the mm-hmm. world and how they're moving through that. So I, I got like major thanks to you for putting this together, making Thank this you. happen. 
available inviting me to talk to you about it um, and have that be a part of it. Yes, yes. Danielle and I are just, we're grateful. We're incredibly grateful. We're so grateful for you both. No, seriously. This was was on our hearts from like the moment we met Mm. and just to see it grow and the community really come together and to just feel it. Like Mm -hmm. feel all of us just like working through this and being like, yes, this is ours. It is. It absolutely absolutely is. It should not be anyone else's but ours. And if anyone questions us about that, buck back. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And also stand in your grace. Yes. (laughs) Also stand in your grace. (laughs) All of that. Yeah. All of that. Well, thank you again. Yes. Thank you. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night to your little one. Oh, you too. <laughs> your little ones. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good Bye. night. Bye. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 